guys, and welcome to episode 80 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at FanBolt.com. I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of LastOneToLeadToTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. And I want to start out this week talking about uh, something really cool that I got to be a part of earlier this week. Um, Kia actually had an event out in L.A. for the... Um, the North American launch of their new car, the Stinger, which is, uh, it, it's an amazing car. It's a kind of a game changer for them. It's a sports car and it's, it's just awesome. So I went out there and we had kind of a dinner that night. And then the next day we had a uh, press conference where they kind of presented us all of the, you know, the technical specifications about the car and the comparison to other cars that are, you know, um, kind of the ones that you would you would most compare it to and what their price points are and what, you know, you get for those price points. And then they let us loose um, in one. And of course, I was with Krista, who most people know I've had some near-death experiences with um, <laughs> while driving cars um, with Krista behind the wheel. So uh, we took turns, uh, turns driving. And so I'm happy to say it was a safe experience with, with, yeah, with Krista. Yeah, this, You're this time here, around. alive. <laughs> I'm still able alive. To record this podcast with us. <laughs> exactly, um, but it was really cool. We got to uh, take the cars up through um, Los Angeles National Forest, which is um, I'm pretty sure that's where they do a lot of the car commercials. It's it's not on the coast; it's back inland, but um, it's just really windy roads through the mountains, and it's really really beautiful, and it's a really good way to experience the handling of the car and the acceleration of the car and just really get a feel for how it grips the road. And uh, we did that. And then we had a meetup point a little bit later in the afternoon at um, Magic Mountain, um, a little bit north of LA. And uh, since the park was closed, they actually had made like a driving track for us in the parking lot. And um, not only did they have the stingers there that we could take on this course and, you know, really, um, you know, put our, put our pedal to the metal and get to 60 and 4.7 seconds. Um, but then also, you know, try all of the, the tight turns at a, at a higher speed and kind of burn some rubber and really feel the handling of the car, which, um, when we first got there, I was like terrified to do it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to wreck one of these cars. Had you, had you ever driven a sports car? Before? I've never driven a sports car before. Um, so having that much power was something that was really intimidating. And um, I went out with with uh, one of the Kia representatives on the track the first time in the Stinger and kind of saw how he was handling it. And it kind of made me feel like a little bit more comfortable. Like even if something like there's nothing I can wreck into, the worst thing that would happen would be I'd hit a cone. Um, so I was like, all right, I can do this. Um, but what was really cool is those other cars that they had to compare the Stinger to, they had there for us to drive too. So we had a, a Panorama from Porsche. Um, we had an Infiniti. We had an Audi A5, A7. Um, we had a couple of cars from BMW um, and, a, and a car from Lexus. And being able to drive those cars and kind of compare them on the track with the acceleration and the way they handled the turns um, in comparison, the Stinger was really cool because, um, and it's like, not just saying this, but the, the Stinger, <laughs> cause I feel like I've been in a Kia event, you know, the whole, the whole week. So of course I'm in love with Kia, but, um, 
the only car that I felt was comparable to it was the Audi A7. And um, that one is like $40,000 more. So the fact that like this this car, the starting price is $32,000 and it's comparable with cars. If not, uh, honestly, the Porsche, I didn't like the Porsche at all. Um, it was clunky. It didn't handle the turns well and the acceleration wasn't nearly as impressive. Um, so being and that was a hundred and two thousand dollar car. So just being able to like kind of be able to compare that and really experience it myself was really cool. And honestly, like getting behind the wheel of a car and going zero to 60 in 4.7 seconds is like incredibly empowering. <laughs> so I like I left that event like just feeling like a different person. It was really, really cool. And and they were great to us. We had a, a dinner that night for a kind of a closing event. And, um, it's kind of, it was kind of hard to come back to like normal life after that, <laughs> after driving a sports car, like through the mountains, it's a little, little hard to come back to Atlanta, but, um, it was a so, really cool So the experience. big question is, Emma, did you yes. bring me back anything? Uh, keychain, right? <laughs> actually, <laughs> Yeah, I brought you back something, Mike. It's not a car, but um, <laughs> but you I were going to put a car something. in your in your carry on bag. You know what? If it could have I fit, I don't think the Kias are that small. They're not that. Yeah, it's not a compact car. <laughs> um, it's a uh, yeah. No, I I wanted to bring back one so badly, and I I'm in the Nero right now. They have me. Um, they've had me in one of those since the beginning of October, doing a, a review of that. So I'm hoping that um, this car isn't officially like available yet. I know there's been there's been orders for it that have that have taken place, but it's not actually going to be like in dealerships. I think until the beginning of December. So um, I'm hoping that after that happens, I I will get one either late December or early next year. My fingers are crossed. So um, I will I'll definitely take you guys out for a ride in them. Well, you know, I do have, we have Christmas coming up and I do have a birthday uh, coming up also. So just keep all that in mind. I will, I'll make a note of that. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> um, but while I was doing that, well, actually right before I was doing that, um, you were doing something pretty cool uh, this last weekend, Mike. Yes, I was. I was at the Rome International Film Festival up in Rome, Georgia. Um, it's a great time. We had a blast. Um, it's just, the people are just wonderful. And, um, I went to all the parties, so I should get a gold star for that. Uh, the food, the food, the food at the parties was amazing. And, and the, we actually, most of the parties were at, at people's homes, which are, were all downtown. They were all in lofts, uh, just some amazing, amazing homes that you wouldn't believe were there, uh, because they're basically on top of storefronts. Um, and uh, Mr. Burt Reynolds was there, and he was there from Thursday through all the way through Monday. So oh, wow. he was there. He was there for the whole thing. Uh, we went to a press conference on Friday that he held, um, and he's such a gracious guy. Uh, they mm -hmm. had uh, a bunch of the backers of the festival come in on uh, right before the press conference, and he was taking pictures, and he was signing anything that any anybody put in front of him, he would sign it. Um, he signed a bunch of uh, movie posters and a bunch of pictures. Um, and he's just a, he's just a fun guy. Uh, Saturday night, they showed Smoking the Bandit because it's the 40th anniversary. Um, and he did a 30 minute Q and A afterwards. 
Uh, it was really cool, too, because they had a, a couple of Burt uh, Reynolds impersonators that would just show up at different events. Um, one of them was dressed as Smokey. Um, and then that af- the afternoon of the Smokey and the Bandit showing, uh, so they had a Burt Reynolds uh, impersonator in the hat and the red shirt right out of Smokey and the Bandit was driving around in a black Trans Am. And then they also had a guy that looked exactly like the sheriff. And they had a guy that looked a lot like Mike Henry, the, the, who plays the, the son of the sheriff. And both he, the sheriff was in a sher- the sheriff costume. And then the son was in the tuxedo that he wears in the film. And they were driving around in a uh, replica of the sheriff car once the, the, uh, the, the uh, top of the car gets cut off when they go underneath the 18-wheeler. So they were driving around in that. And so it was just a lot of fun. And then on Sunday afternoon, they showed a, a new film. Burt's actually got like four films coming out next year. And oh, one wow. of them was, uh, was Dog Years uh, with Ariel Winter from, uh, from uh, Modern Family. Uh, so it was just a fun time. I saw some really good films um, and a couple of really excellent documentaries. Um, and it was just a fun time. And I highly recommend it uh, for next year because uh, it was just so much fun. Is there yeah. any talk about date chat for next year? Or are they going to keep it in November or? For, as far as I know, they're going to keep it in November. Um, okay. I think they were happy with where it was um, and the fact that it was uh, cooler um, uh, than it was last year when we had it in September. Um, so I think they're, they're happy with, with the, with the having it, uh, in February, in, uh, sorry, in, in November. Awesome. I was so bummed yeah. I couldn't make it, but it looked like you had a lot of fun. How was Same here, um, yeah. How was Burt Reynolds? Um, I know he's, he's getting a little bit up there in, in age and some of the, you know, the older stars when we interview them don't quite remember everything so clearly or they seem a little little off. How, how did Bert seem to you? Uh, Bert was really good. Uh, mentally, he's very sharp. Um, he, now, I'd, he had appeared at uh, the Rome Film Festival a couple of years ago when they showed uh, uh, Deliverance. Macon. Macon. I mean, Macon I'm sorry, Festival, I'm sorry, yeah. Macon Film Festival a couple of years ago uh, when they showed Deliverance. Uh, so a lot of the stories he told were the same stories I'd heard before, but he was very sharp. Physically, he's not doing well. He's got to walk around with a cane now because his knees are shot. Um, and uh, so physically, he's kind of wearing down, but mentally, he's still very sharp and and was just a, was very funny. And like I said, he just he loves it in Georgia. Um, he talked about actually moving back here. Um, because he just loves the people. And um, it's, as far as I know, uh, he had a great time. Um, I, he really seemed to be really enjoying himself. That's awesome. Well, cool. Um, any any like really crazy movies in the horror block this year? I say that because I'm still traumatized by that <laughs> one that I saw last year that I'm um, trying to block from my memory. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the horror block, um, it started at 11 p.m., and it went on till 1.45 a.m. There were 13 films. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, there was a couple that were really good. In fact, one of the, one of the ones at the horror block won, uh, won an award at the, at the film festival. Uh, that was a rather – it was really, really well done. Um, there were a couple that uh, were excellent. And then, of course, there's always a couple that were not so excellent. Um, but overall, uh, there was nothing as shocking as what, what you saw last year. <laughs> well, 
but I think that's good for everyone. Yes. Um, well, cool. <laughs> well, talking about, um, you know, smaller films, let's move into talking about some of the, the bigger films and talk about um, box office this weekend, because I don't think it's any surprise to, to you guys that Thor stayed in first uh, for its second week. And then we had um, Daddy's Home 2 premiering in the second spot. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express coming in at three. A Bad Mom's Christmas coming in at four. And Jigsaw still in the top five um, at, at the fifth spot. So any surprises there for you guys? No, that seems pretty much what we expected, I think. Yeah, I think I, I, think I expected Murder uh, to do better than Daddy's Home. Um, I think actually the biggest surprise, if you go down to number 10, yeah, is Lady a film Bird. that's releasing uh, in Atlanta on Friday called Lady Bird that uh, did $1 million uh, uh, last weekend with only 37 theaters. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this film later on, but that's incredibly impressive. It really is. And that's projected to, uh, it's going to be in a lot more theaters this weekend, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, what do you guys, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Justice League here in a few minutes. Do you want to make some, some predictions about what you think that will make and where you think it'll fall? I mean, it's definitely going to be number one. That's for sure. Um, I think what, like, it's been going down in recent weeks. Like, as we get closer and closer to the release date, I think people have been estimating it less and less. So, like, I mean, it's definitely easily going to break 100 million i would say um where that falls i'm gonna put it probably around 115 yeah i'm thinking around 110 um and i don't think it's gonna have the legs that thor has um no. you know i mean thor's already done uh as of last weekend thor had done 212 million in just two weeks um and it's and thor continues each night it continues to do extremely extremely well but i just don't see uh, this film uh, having the legs that Thor has. Well, that's not boding well for my... I haven't seen it yet, so I was really hoping you guys were going to tell me it's awesome because I just have the assumption that if Wonder Woman's in it, it should be awesome. <laughs> um, but um, maybe she's not the the quick fix for like the DC films. Uh, but we'll get into that there, there in a minute. There is no quick fix. Aww. <laughs> um... Well, let's uh, let's dive into our reviews for this week. I want to start with Lady Bird and save uh, Justice League for last. Um, you guys have been raving about this movie since you saw it a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm hoping to make it this weekend to see it. Um, which one of you guys want to set this one up and tell us a little bit about what it's what it's about? Um, I'll do it. Um, so basically, Lady Bird is the year in the life of a young woman who's living in uh, Sacramento as she goes through her senior year of high school. And she basically uh, finds love and uh, is trying to figure out where she's going to go to college. And all the while, she's basically uh, battling her mom, who has an opinion about everything that she does. And that sums up the movie. It's it's little snippets of her life uh, for this whole year, her whole senior year in high school. Cool. Um, well, let's uh, let's jump straight into it on a on the Atlas scale of one to five. Uh, were you guys bored at all in this one? No, Abs I mean it's a zero. Yeah, yeah zero. There's there's no boring. It's, there 
right from, say, I'm sorry, right from the start, you are in, enchanted with this film. And it's basically um, we get to see uh, uh, Lady Bird is her name. Uh, I mean, she does have a real name in, in uh, Catherine, I believe is her name. But Christine. Uh, Christine, sorry, Christine. But she likes to be called Lady Bird. And uh, she's in the car with her mom and they've just come off a, a grueling uh, 12-hour road trip to visit a, a prospective college. And you get to see basically in two minutes, you get to see their whole um, their whole dynamic because it goes from them being friends and having a good time to getting into an argument so badly that uh, 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 Lady Bird wants to jump out of the car. And I wants to actually does. <laughs> I was going to say, and she actually does jump out of a movie car just to get away from her mom. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so it, it sounds like it's probably got a pretty low boredom score for you guys. If it's uh, yeah. stuff like that's taking place. Absolutely zero. Again, I was not bored yeah. at all. It is, it is a wonderful film. And, I, and what I love about it is that um, it doesn't stay in one time period too long it it just keeps moving and moving and moving forward um and so you really get to understand the characters you really get to understand um the dynamic relationship between her and her mom between lady bird and her best friend between the boys that she's interested in and between her and her father um it's just it it keeps moving and it moves at such a wonderful pace that you're never going to be bored watching this film and it's so entertaining um, and, and Ronan does an amazing job uh, in the performance. And also, Laurie Metcalf, you know, I, I'm almost positive we'll get an Oscar nomination out of the role of, of being the mom. Cool. Um, so, best, worst performance? It, it sounds like there wasn't anything that like really stood out to you guys as, as not good in this one. Yeah, no. I mean... Saoirse Ronan definitely is getting the best performance for me. She's amazing at it. Um, what I loved about it is like um, she goes to a basically an all girls Catholic high school, and um, you know like I can't compare to the girl start part, but um, like I definitely went I went to a Catholic high school, and so like I connected with. There were so many little scenes and little things like with um, nuns being the teachers and just that I connected with that are just absolutely hilarious. Like there's one scene where her and her best friend are, um, they're eating communion wafers, just basically out of the container, like chips. And it's just, you know, they're just talking, they're eating them. Well, not only that, they were talking. And it's, it's so hilarious. Yeah. And they're talking about, and they're in the, they're in the, they're basically um, in the high school, laying on the floor, eating these communion wafers. And they're talking about masturbation. <laughs> um well i i see here the uh the writer and director uh this was actually her first um her first directorial uh debut for greta gerwig um she actually went to catholic school is do you yeah. guys know how much of this yeah, is I mean, based like, on her life or i mean it... it's it's somewhat i mean just the generalities like she's actually from sacramento and she went to catholic school but like she said it's semi-autobiographical I believe and like so okay. like not all the like the little details are exactly her life like I think she she wrote like uh she she actually wrote the film as well so yeah. um and so so yeah 
Yeah, and oh. this is not this is not the first film that she's written. Uh, it is the first one that she's written alone. Um, uh, uh, so it's it's more a personal film for her. Um, uh, she's written a lot of the stuff with Mila Bombeck, who's also directed her in a lot of the films uh, that she's been in. It's just an amazing job. Um, it, it's I, I can't rave it. Let, let me put it this way. Um, I, I put it in my review. Um, I didn't want this movie to end because it was that enjoyable. I was having so much of a good time watching this film and watching the performances that I just didn't want it to end. Awesome. Um, well, obviously, no Georgia recognition factor here for this no. one. Um, but uh, overall, on uh, the the official Atlas scale, one to five, where is this one falling for you guys? Uh, Ten. I'm giving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it a five. I mean, it's definitely going to be end up on my top ten list for the of films for the year. Um, it's just a really fun film. It's it's a brisk ninety minutes. Um, Everything about it just flows wonderfully, and it's just you love all the little details that go into it. And not, not only that, but it, you know, it, it we've all seen all these coming of age films. This this one just seems fresh. It seems like it's it's a, a, a new look on a an old uh, you know genre, and it just I can't I can't rave about it more than it's just an amazing film. Cool. Um, so between between this, I know we haven't we haven't touched on Justice League yet, but if you guys had to pick yeah. a film to recommend this again, was it would I, it be I, Lady Bird? Or Lady Justice Bird League? all the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I would have gone back and paid to see it right then. I would have paid to see it right after I saw it. I would go go back in the theater and see it again. It was that good. Awesome. Well, cool. Um, well, on that note, uh, let's uh, switching gears. Switching gears. <laughs> I'm like scared to hear y'all's review of Justice League. I feel like I've heard, I've heard so many mixed things about about this film, and I think we all, you know, are were kind of scared coming into it just from the the enormity of the movie and the past of. I mean, yes, they did a great job with Wonder Woman, but they've not done a great job with other other films. So. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's dive into this. Which one of you guys? I just kind of a. I don't know if we need to set it up, but let's set it up anyways. Uh, you guys want to give a brief overview? I'll set it up of what little story there is. Oh no, <laughs> that's not all right. <laughs> so, um, following the death of Superman in um, Batman vs Superman, spoilers. If you haven't seen Batman vs Superman yet. You don't need to, but he dies in it. So, <laughs> following his death, basically, you know, the world is kind of, you know, open to attack. And there's this new galactic alien guy called Steppenwolf who basically invades the Earth. And he is trying to collect these powerful devices that are called mother boxes. There are basically, there are three of them scattered around the world. Um, the Amazonians have one. The, um, what is it? The Atlanteans. Um, so they have one and then, uh, the humans have one. And okay. so he basically wants to collect them and destroy the entire planet. And basically Batman and Wonder Woman, they, uh, team up together and try to recruit a bunch of new, uh, people with abilities so to combat this threat so basically they go after barry allen who's the flash um 
Arthur Curry, Aquaman, and Victor Stone, who is a cyborg. And so basically we see them being introduced as they all band together and take on Steppenwolf and save the planet. Gotcha. Um, so that's I'm already... the general. Sorry, go ahead. I'm saying that's the general gist of it. Gotcha. Um, just kind of a random note here. I'm like looking at some comparisons between Thor and Justice League and Thor had a budget, a production budget of 180 million and IMDB is putting Justice League at an estimated $300 million budget. Well, um, yeah, so no, there's, there's a reason a why. There's a reason yeah. why. Um, and so this film was, a, was troubled almost from the start. Uh, Zack Snyder uh, directed the film. He, he had finished the film, was, was getting ready to edit it when his uh, daughter died. And he left the film. And Josh Whedon uh, took over. And uh, they did reshoot about 20% of the film. And Josh Whedon also wrote uh, a bunch of new scenes um, that they did on the reshoots. Um, so it's it, right from the start, it's a troubled film. And that's one of the reasons why it's the, the budget is so high is because they gotcha. had to go back in and reshoot a bunch of scenes. Like I said, around 20% of the film is Josh Whedon reshooting. And and they had to edit out Henry Cavill's mustache yes. because Henry Cavill had a mustache for um, I forget what for one of the Mission Impossible movie he's in right and his contract said he couldn't basically he couldn't shave it off so they had to digitally go in and edit his mustache off for all these reshoots and that was a pretty ridiculous cost too right like yeah. I remember reading that but somewhere they were saying it was like twenty five million. <laughs> Oh God! So, um, so yeah, that that, <laughs> that explains uh, the three hundred million dollar budget. We're um, having the two different uh, having Zach and Josh. Uh, did you feel like it was two separate films? Could you yes. tell which one no. was who? Yes, you could. It didn't to me. It didn't feel like two separate films. You could definitely tell who shot what almost. But I mean, like that that wasn't why it was bad. <laughs> there are so many other reasons than oh yeah that's a Josh Whedon scene oh that's a Zack Snyder scene yeah like, I'm I'm going to disagree with Matt I I felt it was disjointed and the reason was is because of the fact that the two styles don't match I mean number one Zack Snyder hates Superman he just out and out hates him and um, so and also Zack Snyder Superman um, you know as we saw in Batman versus Superman has has lost what makes him unique, which is the fact that he's an alien that has come to this planet and has uh, uh, embraced humanity and embraced the humanity part of being human. And uh, Zack Snyder just hates that that part of Superman. Um, and in Josh Whedon then knows that that's a key element of Superman and makes it a part of the film. And I could tell, you can tell where the Josh Whedon, first off, the Josh Whedon areas, everybody's having a lot more fun than they're having in the Zack Snyder area, parts of the film. I mean, it's just there, there are times that, especially with Ben Affleck, that he looks like he's just miserable playing Batman. And it's not just because the character is dark and miserable. It just looks like Affleck's not having fun. Do you feel like, um, of course, Josh is such a great job with the Avengers in 2012. Do you feel like yeah. the scenes that he shot were kind of more reminiscent of that sort of style and that sort of humor? Yes. Yeah, 
definitely. Yeah, there, so there, it, there, there's, there's the, the scenes that, that Josh directed, you can tell because there's humor. And it's also because, like I said, the actors look like they're having fun being superheroes. They don't look like it's a job. And I wish that this film had been solely a Josh Whedon film. I think we would have been much happier and it would have been a much better film if it had been Josh Whedon film. See, I think I'll agree with you, Mike, in saying that it was definitely disjointed, but I accredit that to the story in itself. You know, with the Avengers, each Avenger, basically, with the exception of, you know, Hawkeye and Black Widow, they all had their solo films beforehand. We've only had two solo films for um, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman. So this film is just trying to do so much. It's introducing all these new characters, all these new storylines. And it's basically, it's jumping from one thing to the next quickly. It's under two hours. Warner Brothers made us basically put their foot down and be like, hey, this movie has to be under two hours. And so there is just not enough time for them to go into any of the detail. And so you're just like, what is going on? Why do I care about these characters? Like, you really don't even know why Steppenwolf is invading the planet. Like, he is a terrible villain. And so it's just, it's all over the place. Like, I was fine with the blend of the the seriousness and the humor. Like, that, that didn't bother me. It was just, you didn't care about any of it. Yeah, I agree. I, especially with a character like Cyborg that I have no clue who he is. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have, and I don't, I don't know, I didn't know how he got created. I didn't understand how he got created. They kind of explain it a little bit. I mean, even with the Flash, which I'm a big fan of the TV show, so I know the origins of the Flash, and I know from when I was a kid reading the comic books. But still, even then, they just go, "Hey, I hear you got hit by lightning. Yeah, that's why I'm the Flash." You know, it's just like. You don't get any background on any of these characters other than the fact that we know Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And and it's just it's 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 a horrible way of doing a movie where you're introducing these characters we're supposed to care about and we barely know them. Yeah. The Flash is definitely gets the best treatment out of everybody in the film, I would say. Like he is the one who actually who saves this film. Um I loved pretty much every scene that he was involved in and uh, Ezra Miller just does a great job with it. Do you yeah, feel I, like um, after seeing him in this, you're, you're hopeful for Flashpoint? I solo am. Film? Yeah. I mean, one, um, he's great in it and I think he's going to do a great job in the role. And two, maybe that'll be their, that let not maybe that is definitely going to be their kind of reboot of the DC universe. Right. <laughs> Cause you know, uh, ben Affleck has already, you know, said he wants out. Um, you know, things are just things are just a mess right now. And so for them, for DC to just jump straight into this massive Justice League team up movie when they haven't really established a solid groundwork for it, it's just. I mean, this is what we get. You know, it's like it's like when we when we when we saw the Avengers, one of the I thought one of the cool things was is when you saw the team together. And I got I got thrilled by that by that moment when you see them all 
getting ready to go to battle and they're all teaming up and it was really cool where you you knew all these characters and even some of them that you didn't know that well you still had some background on them but you knew all these characters you knew what they could do and in this film i never got that feeling i never got thrilled by the the, the when they finally do team up and everybody's together i'm like i didn't care I just didn't care. It, it's sad. And the only people that I cared about were the ones that I already knew about, which was one, especially Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's the, the draw for me in this film because I, I so enjoyed the, the Wonder Woman movie and I enjoy Gal Gadot. Uh, I think she's really good in this role. Um, and I did like Ursa Miller as The Flash. I thought he brought a lot of life to the film. And, you know, I, Jason Momoa is really good as Aquaman, but... I could care less about Cyborg. Um, I, and t- frankly, I'm not all that thrilled with Superman either. And then, like I said, I just got the feeling that Ben Affleck did not want to be there. And it, that's such a disappointment because Batman's probably my favorite superhero character. I actually really like Superman in this movie. Um, that was probably my second favorite part behind Ezra Miller as The Flash. Um Spoiler alert, I guess he's Superman is back in this movie. I mean, I don't know <laughs> how people are surprised by that. Yeah, um, they shouldn't. Fact, be. like when all the news has been basically about. I mean, he's second build, so Yeah, he's in all of the <laughs> but, promotional uh, images. So <laughs> Yeah. So like um his return I thought was really well done. Um of course I won't go into spoiling about how and why and everything but um the way when he comes back i thought was really cool and that that kind of to me was the the avengers moment of the film where they all kind of team up and stuff so gotcha well just in case anyone's wondering um justice league is currently at 40 percent on rotten tomatoes so not it's going down yeah it's not it's not too fresh (laughs) um yeah but, um, well, uh, you guys have talked a lot about it, so we'll kind of, you know, breeze over some of our mar- our um, official scaling points. Um, yeah. Boredom. I mean, I know we are <laughs> racking on it, like, ragging on it a lot. And, like, even then, like, I still, it's better than, you know, Batman vs. Superman. It's better than Suicide Squad. That's not no, saying a lot. Yeah, I know. It's not <laughs> saying a lot. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of get the feeling that some of the critics that, uh, that, I, I've, that I've read, they're bashing on it just to bash it. And they're not bashing it necessarily on the merits of the film. I think they're bashing it just because of the fact that DC has bungled this, bungled their, the, the movie so badly, with the exception of Wonder Woman. And I, I, it's not, this isn't a bad movie. It just could have been a better movie should have been a better movie fair enough um well were you guys bored during this or were you did at least have your attention for for most of the film yeah i mean like i wasn't i wasn't really bored i mean it was cool to see all these characters and i was just confused i was more confused than bored yeah that's exactly what i was going to say i was confused um, it's it. They throw. I mean, it's a two-hour film, and it probably should have been longer. And I'm usually not an advocate for making films longer, but I would have liked a lot more background on these new characters, and I especially the the especially the villain. I mean, I have no clue what he was trying to do. I have no clue who he was, um, and just it, it just did a very bad, a poor job of 
telling the story. Gotcha. Um, well, eye rolling factor. I feel like this has got to be high. Like, yeah. Yeah. Eye rolling factor is like a four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's you're eye rolling a lot. Just it's yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I agree. <laughs> Um, well, best and worst performance in this one. Um, sounds like you guys are probably leaning toward Ezra Miller uh, as best performance. Yeah, either yeah. that. I mean, I still I still like Gal Gadot a lot. Um, I thought I, I like, especially the fact that 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 I will say this about her character. Her character has some growth in this film that um, was needed, and it really sets up the next Wonder Woman. Um, so I, I liked her a lot, but but Ezra Miller really steals the film from everybody else. I mean, he's they they almost make him a little bit um, like he like he has a, a little bit of a touch of Asperger syndrome in him um, because he's I mean at one point he's like just he goes on a rant about brunch that's really funny. Yeah, I'm definitely giving it Ezra Miller. I I wasn't as impressed with Gal Gadot in this. Yeah, I love her as Wonder Woman, but like I feel she definitely wasn't given enough to do in this film like all she's doing is doing that little x thing with her her gauntlet set and that just annoyed annoyed me so much in this movie for some reason because she kept doing it and it was just i don't know i didn't feel she was as developed well i tell you i tell you who's wasted in this film is jk simmons i mean he's he's barely in it yeah uh well obviously there's (laughs) Again, no Georgia recognition factor here. Um, overall, one to five, what what would you guys give this one? I mean, I'm it's very middle of the road for me. Um, I'm going to give it a three. Um, you know, like I did enjoy the comedy is really good when it when they do the, the humor, it's on point. Um, and some of the action scenes were really good, like like I said, um, but it's still the story is just such a mess so that that really brings it down unfortunately yeah I, i'll agree with matt um uh there is a scene with jason momoa that is just literally you're on the floor laughing so hard because it's so funny and i won't ruin it for anybody but it's a really really funny scene um i just the, the storyline was just confusing as all get out and like i said i didn't care about some of these characters so i don't know who they are yeah Fair enough. Um, well, some some fun facts for you guys. Um, Lay it on. <laughs> uh, in case you guys don't know, it's the the fifth film in the DC Extended Universe, and it um, is the shortest film in the DC Universe. Um, one thing that I kind of find interesting, I guess there was some controversy over the the scoring of the film, and I'm kind of wondering if you guys what you guys thought about this. So originally, when um, Snyder was in charge. Um, he had Junkie XL, um, who originally replaced Hans Zimmer, who announced his retirement from the quote-unquote superhero business, and he left to work on um, Tomb Raider. But when Snyder went out, um, Josh Whedon actually replaced Junkie LL or XL with Danny Elfman. So how do you feel like the music um, was in this? Did it stand out to you guys? Was it a little weird or off? It didn't. It was just... It wasn't memorable. It wasn't bad. Like, um, I actually, I actually really enjoyed the uh, the opening credits. I th- actually think Zack Snyder does opening credits really, really well. Um, 
like those are like the most memorable thing for me of his, like, of his films. Like I really like the opening credits for Batman vs Superman, um, and I really like the opening credits for for this. But um, the music, yeah, the music was pretty just. There wasn't anything to it. Like I have no idea what Junkie XL would have done with this with the film. But I feel like um, it would have been more. Um, I'm not familiar with Junkie XL, so I may be completely wrong. But it kind of it sounds like a DJ name to me. So I'm assuming wanna, it would. Be... I want to say he did um Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. Let me look. Let's see what else has he done before. Um, well, I will. I will say this. I did notice the the music when uh, the score when uh, the Flash. Was, was featured because it sounded a lot like the music they use on the TV show. It was that same right. feel um, that I, I got from, from when I watched the TV show. Um, well, you're right. He did do, um, he did, did uh, Mad Max uh, 300, um, Dark Tower, um, Batman versus Superman he did as well, Deadpool. Um so there's a bunch of stuff. Um, this is all listed yeah. under under his composer work. It looks like he's done he's done a fair amount of stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just feel like music can really you change out the music and it can so drastically affect the tone of a scene. Um, yeah. So I mean, I mean, the music definitely wouldn't have saved it if it was better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fair the enough. music was the least of my my thoughts. For that so well all right then um you guys saw another film this week which we're not gonna uh do an official atlas review of but do you want to talk a little bit about wonder and your thoughts on whether or not people should check that out yeah no yeah wonder comes out this week um based off the best-selling novel by the same name which they actually i sent to all of us and i think i was like the only one who actually read it <laughs> it's still on my coffee table. It looks really good. I've heard really no, good yeah. things about it. It's, so. it's a really, it's a really charming and just heartwarming movie. Um, you know, it's got uh, Jacob Tremblay, who, you know, he he did the or he did Room, which, and so he's just a phenomenal actor. And um, yeah, it's just a really heartwarming film. Yeah, it's a it's a story of a, a young boy who. Um, was born with a genetic uh, defect and has had 17 operations and he's, his face is still very disfigured. Um, and he, because of this, he's been, he's been homeschooled his whole life and his parents played by Owen Wilson and uh, Julia Roberts decide that uh, starting with middle school, that he should actually go and go to an actual school. And so it's basically, he's dealing with the fact that he's, having to deal with everybody at school reacting to him. And of course he gets bullied. The, the interesting thing about this film is that it's not just told from his perspective that is told from other kids, uh, both his sister, his sister's best friend, um, uh, 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 a couple of other friends that he makes uh, while at school. So it's not just told from his Viewpoint is also told from their viewpoint, and very often that viewpoint is very different than than what the viewpoint of the main character is. And it's just a it's a wonderful film. Um, you're definitely going to need a tissue. 
because uh, there are several points where uh, it definitely uh, brings a tear to the eye. Um, it's really good performances all the way around. Um, Julia Roberts is, you know, as you expect, would be wonderful playing the mom. And he, uh, Tremblay, is just an amazing actor and just gets everything out of this role. It's just a really good, good film. Well, cool. How did it compare to the um, to the book for you, Matt? It was good. Um, I was curious to how they would do a couple of things because, you know, the book is very much from, like, you're hearing the inner thoughts of these characters a lot of the times. And so, you know, there is – they do do some um, overdubbing on screen with the characters, but mm-hmm. not, not a lot of it. And so, like, they do – like, um, Chewbacca's in the film. And like they actually kind of, kind of do like you kind of go into the imagination of these kids, and so like you see what they see on the screen, which is really cool. Yeah, he had he, the the main character has a, basically a defense mechanism of when it when things get too rough, especially when he's in a new situation, then he imagines himself or in a, in a different situation. So Chewbacca shows up. He also is very interested in space travel, so a lot of times. Um, he and he has a helmet that he wears that that people can't see his face, uh, an astronaut's helmet, and so very often he's imagining himself as an astronaut. Cool. Um, well, that's out this weekend, so you have another option if you want to go see yeah. that and and see Lady Bird and not. There's a bunch of see. options actually because um, <laughs> there's another movie, um, three bo- three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri is out this weekend in Atlanta, at least yeah. um, it has a slow rollout that they're doing nationwide, but um, it's got Francis McDormand in it. And it is just, you know, like lady bird, it's one of my favorite films of the year. Basically she's investigating the death. Well, she's not investigating. Basically her daughter um, was raped and murdered. And basically the police in the town, it's kind of gone to a cold case and to bring shine some light on it, she rents these three billboards right outside of town and basically is questioning the police like, hey, this is what happened to my daughter. Why have there been no arrests made? And basically that just triggers all this, this, you know, these series of events that go down. And it's just it's half of it's there's this it's this really dark comedy like and it's really really dark at times but then it's also absolutely hilarious at times like it's this really weird dynamic but it works wonderfully yeah it's the t- the town is filled with all these very quirky characters um and it just it's it's such an interesting film and uh Francis McDormand is just amazing in it um but also uh, like Sam Rockwell uh plays this goofy um drunk uh, uh, deputy that's a little dim, <laughs> actually a lot dim, um, but but he's just amazing in it. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays the, the, the police chief of the town. Um, it's just a, a, such a, but it's very different than Lady Bird or, um, or uh, Wonder, a very different feeling you're going to get because it does have a very dark aspect to it. But it's still the the town is just hilarious, and uh, she is as as my dad used to say, she's a pistol. Her character, Francis McDormand's character, is a pistol who basically speaks her mind and and has no trouble of getting in 
no no uh, qualm about getting into trouble in order to to find out what happened to her daughter. Well, cool. Um, so there's some a fair amount of options coming out this weekend. Yeah. Um, in case we are you... just getting into Oscar season, so we the, are. The good stuff is starting to come out. That's true. Um, and if you're looking for something even more to do this weekend, uh, we have Heroes and Villains Fan Fest um, downtown this weekend as well in Atlanta. So um, come check that out if you you want a uh, dose of, of CW DC superheroes. Um, and we'll all be your, there. Your Justice League. We will all be there. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, and we have, we're not going to have a podcast next week because it's Thanksgiving, but we'll be back on December 1st. And since we are coming into award season, we're going to have, um, even more, uh, uh, more reviews coming up. Um, we may even have, may even do a couple episodes with three or four, uh, reviews in them. Um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, and, Cause we're, uh, we're all members of the Atlanta film critic circle. And therefore, we're actually going to be uh, voting um, uh, coming up very soon on on uh, which films should be best of the year. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think we're voting like the first week in December. Or uh, the eighth through the tenth is when our voting yeah. time is. So pretty soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. And this is actually perfect because my little puppy Fozzie just woke up and now she's looking around for what she can get into. And now I can go stop her because <laughs> uh, we're at the conclusion of today's show. Um, so, uh, thank you guys for, uh, for listening again. This is the Atlas podcast and my name is Emma Loggins, editor in chief at fanbolt.com. I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner in chief editor of shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with last one to leave the theater.com and atlcw.tv. And if you like and enjoy this podcast, be sure to first off, share it with other people, but also like it on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Oh, that's good. Pinterest. <laughs> Pinterest, yeah. Pin us. Why not? <laughs> um, all right. We'll talk to you guys next, uh, well, in two weeks on December 1st. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.